T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is uh, 7.08 in the Twin Cities. Well, have you ever seen those tiny homes or tiny apartments? And... People seem to really love them. And you think, well, gee, but how could I really do that and, you know, not have all this stuff and, you know, would it work and how does it happen? And if you're living with somebody, are you just going to end up hating them? (laughs) Well, there are people who are living in these tiny homes and there are people who are building these tiny homes. And that is exactly what we are going to be uh, talking about about this half hour with a couple who lives in a tiny home and also a builder of tiny homes. Uh, Joining us right now is Ashley and Cody Bartz from Hoka, Minnesota. Uh, Am I saying that right, folks? Yes, you are. Okay. And you have been going to the Home and Garden Show all these years and looking at tiny homes, and you decided we're just going to do it. Uh, And is it working out? It is. We've been living in a tiny house since August, and so far, so good. We got through our first winter, so we were pretty proud of that. We didn't know for a couple months. It was a little shaky, but we did it, and we're we're so happy. All right, and, and you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Lowe, our studio coordinator, was saying that you might have some child care to attend to, which I certainly understand, but, but <laughs> you, you so it's how many people are in the tiny house? There are three of us living there, my husband, I, and we have a foster daughter who's four years old. Wow. Okay. And how tiny is the tiny house? Our house is 219 square feet. That's our footprint. And then we do have two lofts, which makes it a little closer to 300 square feet. That's not very big. <laughs> what, well, and what, everyone what, what, that comes in is surprised when they come in and, you know, it feels nice. It's it's not cluttered by any means. It's very just light and airy and just a beautiful place to to live. Now, let me ask you, how big was the house you were living in before? Uh, well, we had been renting for quite a while, so we'd kind of bounced around to a bunch of different houses. We were coming from a house that was closer to about 600, uh, but then with that, we also had storage in the basement and things like that. We also had like a an outdoor patio area, so more space Um so it was difficult going down, uh, but not, you know, we weren't going from like thousands of square feet, but still without having storage and things like that, we had to get rid of a lot of stuff. And what was that like getting rid of all the stuff? Um, my husband, he had a really easy time of it because he had always been going, you know, kind of uh, paring down and paring down through the years. But for me, I just ripped off the Band-Aid and I just got rid of all of my stuff. Okay, because, I mean, there, there's, you know... One week. <laughs> I mean, you know, there are people who who've make a fortune advising people how to do just what you did. What has been... Um, has there been any downside to it at all? Or what, what's been the most difficult thing? Um, really, nothing. It... It was hard downsizing. I read a book about minimalism and watched a few different documentaries, and I just 
decided to go, you know, get on board with it. One of the books I read said, you need to have motivation to go tiny and, or you need motivation to minimalize. And our motivation was to go tiny. And so we didn't want to clutter up our house with boxes and boxes of things. So, you know, people that live in big houses, they don't really have motivation to um, weed out the junk that they don't need because they have plenty of rooms and storage to keep it in. So for us, you know, it was like we wanted to just have a beautiful space that was really minimal and you just didn't want to deal with our stuff and have to clean a huge house. And so, um, so it was difficult, but I just, like I said, I ripped the bandaid off and I just went through all my stuff and said, what do I really, really need? And I just kept those things and I focused on what do I really want? And Cody, yeah. I, I, I want to get your take in on this. So you, you were the guy who was like, didn't have much trouble parting with things but you also have a child here i mean that that's that's got to be really difficult i mean anybody who has children knows they got a lot of stuff right yeah it's it's certainly different i mean it was easy in a way but it did take me a long time i kind of i stepped down over a number of years like here's fewer things this year then fewer things this next year but then we did, did move into the small tiny house that's when i drastically had to really i need to really pare down so i can fit comfortably into this home and yes having a kid is another challenge and we try very hard to you know just be careful with what we bring in the house and if we bring something in that's new we might have to get rid of something else and we speak with her often about okay this you know this thing works in the house but maybe this other thing doesn't so let's instead get books from the library or can we keep something um, and use it at school or what are the things that we really need and use in the house and it's it's been working pretty well Um, but we didn't we didn't plan a ton of extra storage in the house, so it's been a little difficult with the extra kid stuff. All right, and and you actually, um, and we're gonna, you actually have been on um, uh, Tiny House Nation. Uh, yeah. You've also, you know, and we're going to talk to your builder here in in a few minutes because I'm, I'm fascinated to talk to him as well. Uh, and he actually, you actually worked with him, and you've actually, you know, appeared at, at the Home and Garden Show with him as sort of an example, yeah. right? Yep, that's that's correct. Yeah, so one year ago we went to the Home and Garden Show and met Glenmark Construction, uh, Mark and Glenda, and loved them and decided that we wanted to move forward with them uh, to build our house. And there happened to be a tiny house building workshop in Ogilvy, Minnesota, at uh, a place called the Sanctuary, Minnesota. And there we framed up the house in about five days, and that was with Glenmark leading the workshop. And then after that, we decided that we liked them so much, we wanted to move forward with them to build our house. And then the TV show came on board, and the TV show and Glenmark, it all just kind of came together really quickly. And last August, everything happened, and we I think built the house in roughly a month or maybe a little over a month. And how how much does a tiny house cost? Because you said you, like for years you were you were renting, and you know here this is your own house. I mean, how much is how much is one of these tiny houses that's you know three hundred square feet? How much does it cost to build? Right, that's a good question. It can vary a lot, so it's hard to say you know, exactly what it would be. Ours was around $60,000. Wow. Okay. Materials and labor. But, um, you know, if you're on the side of more do-it-yourself and find some materials, you could probably do it for maybe around 30000 But if you're going to hire someone and use really nice materials and a custom trailer and really kind of deck it out more like ours is, you're probably going to spend easily sixty, fifty to sixty, and could even be you know up to eighty thousand pretty easily depending on the finishes in the house. And you said a custom trailer. So is this house a house that can be moved? Yep, yep. It's on wheels. It, uh, we have a custom trailer for it, 
And it is, uh, you know, some minimal steps need to happen before we actually move it, but it is able to be towed with a, a one-ton pickup. I mean, so could you go on vacation with your house? We could. I mean, it's definitely possible. We didn't, when we when we built it, we didn't want to move it regularly because it is on the larger side of the, the tiny house spectrum. So it's not really something you want to be towing around all the time. It's more of something when we move to our next next location that we could bring it with us and live there. What's what's sort of the the, the biggest question that you get, or um, or the you know the one comment you tend to get the most? <laughs> People ask us, you know, like how is your relationship going, things like that. <laughs> and how is your relationship <laughs> going? <laughs> it's fine. It's I mean, we both have full time jobs, so we're at work all day long, and then. It's forced us to go out more, which is, you know, I think a good thing. Well, we're outside more. We're more active. We don't just come home and, um, you know, have housework to do and chores and things like that. We can um, go out. We entertain more outside of our home. You know, we'll go to parks or we'll go to uh, a restaurant or things like that. And then, you know, we come home and relax in the evenings and um, and go to bed. So it's, you know, it is a small space, but it's we're doing we're not just at home all the time. Well, it's it's yeah. really cool and and obviously this is really a movement. I mean, this is really gaining popularity all over the country. You know, is is, is are you finding other people in Hoka saying, "Hey, maybe we should do it too?" Believe it or not, there actually is another couple that uh is going to be moving in the Hoka area soon and they had just uh, finished their build of their tiny house recently. I think within the next couple of weeks they're moving to Hoka for the area. Wow. Okay. Well, listen, yeah. we listen, We want to thank you both for being on. I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating, you know, way to live, and and obviously it's something that that so many people are interested in. Uh, but I want to thank you both for being on. And uh, after the break, we're going to connect with your builder to hear about his insights. It sounds like you you were very happy with the job he did. Yes, they did a great job, and to what I hear, they have a few more lined up, which you'll hear about soon. Okay, that's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, and. Um, Stay uh, stay happy in your tiny home. <laughs> well, sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. All right. All that right. is very interesting. I don't know. You know, I guess I just, wow. I mean, what what an interesting uh, discussion. Uh, that was Ashley Bartz, Ashley and Cody Bartz, the owners of a tiny home in uh, Hoka, Minnesota. Uh, we're going to take a, br- a break. When we come back, we are going to visit with Mark Lintula. I believe that is the way he pronounces his name. And he is the owner of Glenmark Construction. And he's actually the builder. He's the one who built uh, the Bartz's tiny home. And he obviously can build other tiny homes. So we'll talk to him about that. So keep it here. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Uh, well, we just heard from Ashley and Cody Bartz, the owners of a tiny home in Hoka, Minnesota. And now we are going to hear from Mark Lintella, who is the owner of Glenmark Construction. He built the Bartz's tiny home, and they are thrilled with their home. Uh, and I guess they met at the Home and Garden Show. Is that right, Mark? That's correct. Okay. Well, Mark, thank you so much for, for coming on. Tell us, how did you get into building tiny homes? I, I, I imagine that you have built some regular size homes, too. Correct. I've been a building contractor uh, for the last 27 years. And about three years ago, started seeing a few tiny houses on, on different Internet sites. I thought this would be kind of fun to get into. So about three years ago, we built our first one, um, which I have on my property up in northern Wisconsin right now. I use for a weekend cabin. But it's just kind of a, a trend that's taking off. It's kind of exciting to be a part of it. 
Um, and there's just a ton of interest. And, and so let me ask, so, so you saw it, and obviously you're a builder, and you thought, well, obviously you can build, so you thought you, you'd do it on property you already owned. What what intrigued you about it? I think just like the one I have, I've got it totally off-grid. It's powered by solar powered, um, has water storage capability. So I have mine in the middle of 20 acres in Wisconsin, so I don't have any running water or electricity there. I'm able to function without it. So that's I was kind of did it for myself to begin with. And then uh, its popularity just started coming up, and we started getting calls once people saw the one that I had. Oh, so you you just thought, hey, I you know this is cool. I'm going to do it for myself to have it up. And did you have another structure up on your cabin? Yes, kind of an off grid little cabin that we use just a weekend thing. So now we've got a guest cabin. Well, that's kind of cool. It is. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um. So what? Um. What though? So you build it, and first of all, let me ask you how how much. Obviously, you're you're in the business here, but if you had to guesstimate, if somebody was building the type of uh, you know cabin that you've got on your property, how how much would it cost? Well, we built them anywhere. The one I have on my property is about runs about fifty thousand, and we built them anywhere from fifty thousand to eighty five thousand. Wow. Okay. And so, so people started coming up to you and saying, hey, I, this is really cool. We want one, too. I mean, that's literally how it happened? Yeah, basically. I mean, we were part of the uh, St. Paul Home and Patio Show. They called us up a couple of years ago and wanted to have it, have our tiny house in there. So that gained some popularity there for us, and some name recognition. And then we've been in the Minneapolis Home and Garden Show the last two years, which has just been amazing, the amount of people that we've had through it. And in terms of um, building a tiny home, what what's different, or is it really just the same, except it's just, well, tinier? Well, really, it, it takes a lot more work and design time to design a tiny house. I'll sit down with homeowners or buyers that want one, and we'll go through a checklist. You know, how much space do they need, how many beds do they need, how much storage do they need, how are they going to use the space. So we really design every square foot, actually every cubic foot inside the tiny house. So you, you, you've got to be really, because every single little bit needs to be used, right? Exactly, right. What are some of the space-saving techniques that you use? Uh, one thing, we do a kind of some unique different stairways that we can gain storage underneath the, st- the steps in the stairway. So you, um, you've got stairways in these tiny homes? Correct. Okay. Some are, some are with ladders, some are with stairways. Um, loft space, you know, you can have a couple different sleeping areas and lofts. Um, we do build them kind of taller. We have a 10-foot interior height on it, so we can have storage up high, whether there's cabinets or shelving. Okay. All the way up the wall, so there's a lot of different ways to do it. And how about, you know, I'm sure people are thinking about, well, what about the bathroom? Or do, you, do you just forgo like a tub and just do a shower? Uh, we did. The last one we did, we shipped out to uh, Portland, Oregon, and that one had a big soaking tub in it. Really? Um, yeah. It was a big bathroom for a tiny house. It was eight feet by five foot, which is a good-sized bathroom for a tiny house. Um, a lot of times we're putting in composting toilets. It kind of depends on where people are going to use them and where they're going to set them up. You know, do they have sewer available, or do they, or do they want a composting toilet? Um, those kind of issues we go through and decide how to build it according to what their needs are. Okay. And do, do do most people sort of opt not for a tub or just go with the shower? Or Yeah, typically just the shower. 
Okay. And then how about uh, the kitchen? Do, do these homes have kitchens? Yes. Um, and, and that varies a lot, too, depending on the individual. But typically, we're putting in like 10 square cubic foot refrigerators. Uh, we'll have a... And, so, and, how, and I'm, I'm not... How, how big is a normal refrigerator? Is that smaller than a... Yeah, it's about half the size of a normal refrigerator. Okay. Um, we do... We can put in full-size ranges. We've done a lot of apartment-size ranges that are like 20 inches wide versus a 30-inch normal-size range. Okay. Uh, we put dishwashers in these. Um, we we put in combination washer-dryer units, which oh. work real well, too. Now, who is – who? I mean, are, are people – you know, because what I thought was so interesting to talk uh, with the Barts is, is that they've got a child, and they've got a foster child who's with them who's four years old, and anybody who has kids know they – kind of take up a lot of room and they've got their own stuff. Are people, are some of the people you've come, uh, that have come to you like the Bartzes have children? Um, you know, we've had talked to a couple of people we haven't built for them yet, um, but it does, it does uh, create a lot more challenges to poor children. Um, I do have uh, a number of grandkids, so when I take them up to my tiny house, I, can, I kind of get a feel for what it's like to have kids in a tiny house. They probably think it's really cool. Oh, they do. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they probably th- and and especially if you got another building right there. Uh, the Bartz has also explained to me that that theirs is one that it could actually be moved. I, is that the case with most of these tiny houses that they can actually be moved? Yes, that's correct. Typically, all tiny houses are built on on a trailer um, that can be moved. We've we've had clients that want to build one and they want to travel with it, work work someplace for a year, move to a different city, work there for a year, and just kind of travel around with their job that way. And, and are there people who can? Um, are, are there any issues? Because I, I remember there was a company here that that was trying to work with uh, you know seniors and have a senior space. Uh, are there any issues that you've run into with local uh, you know ordinances and zoning and that kind of thing? That's kind of a, the biggest problem there is, is finding a place to put one. Um, I think like the Barts have friends that have acreage and have allowed them to park their trailer on part of their land. Um, right right within the Twin City Metro, it's a little bit harder. I think there are some communities that are allowing, like say, a mother-in-law type of situation where there might be an elderly person that would right. live in a tiny house in their yard. So that's starting to happen a little bit. But so if you own your land, you own a piece of property, it's not automatic that you could put one of these tiny houses on it. Is it because it's on a trailer? Correct. It's there's different issues with it. Every city and every township, you know, looks at it a, a different way. We're hoping that within during by the end of 2018 that there'll be some national codes written for tiny houses, and once that's done, it'll be a lot easier for townships and cities to look at them as a real structure. Got it. Um, and it sounds like one of the key things here that, that, that you know, interested in is the storage areas. And you mentioned it sounds like storage is in all kinds of places. Right. We even do some outdoor storage. We can do that like on the front of the trailer and the V part of the trailer frame. We could build outside storage. It works fairly well. We do have one client right now that has a um, – a canoe that wants to store, but you can't really store a canoe inside a tiny <laughs> house. But you could store it underneath the tiny, underneath the framework, where it's parked somewhere. 
So there's different ways to looking at every situation. We've had one gal had a, uh, she had a bicycle. So we created a closet for her to hang her bicycle up inside the structure. Wow. Okay. And, um, you know, in terms of the portability, you mentioned people moving to different cities. Can you take them on vacation? You know, they're really not to really go on vacation with. They're heavy. They're not built aerodynamically. Oh, okay. So it's not it's not like it being in an RV. I sort of visions of like an RV kind of situation. Yeah, you wouldn't really want to uh, to pull it around. You know, if you're going to want to park it somewhere, maybe for uh, the season, something like that. But um, not not on a daily basis. Wow. Okay. That is that is really really interesting. Uh, tell us how people. You know, if they have any more questions, how can they get in, t- in touch with you, uh, Mark? Sure. We have a website. It's glenmarkconstructioninc.com. And Glenmark, G-L-E-N-M-A-R-K, construction. And how many of these have you, like, will you do this year? Well, right now we're designing for three different clients, and we're talking to four others besides that. So we hope to build, you know, maybe three to six more this summer. Cool. Very cool. Well, listen, um, this sounds uh, extremely um it's really intriguing, and I think you know. Obviously, there's a TV show about it, and a lot of interest, and certainly one that you certainly have two happy clients at the Bartzes. They gave you a big thumbs up. So, anyway, fascinating to talk to you, and good luck building more tiny houses. Okay, thank you very much. Nice talking right. to you, also. All right, very very cool. That's that just seems like a different way of living. I mean, it's. Uh, Kind of cool. And, and I know that there's also sort of micro apartments. This is sort of a trend in housing that I think a lot of people are, are kind of looking at the way they live and also the cost and saying, maybe I can do this and this could be something that would be good. Uh, all right, folks, we are going to take a break. We're going to give you some weather. And then when we come back, we're going to talk with the owner of actually, he's got, it's actually a little mini empire here. It is. He is the founder of a dog hotel chain. Yes, a dog hotel chain right here in the Twin Cities. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Yep, I thought you were going to play Who Let the Dogs Out? (laughs) Anyway, Jonathan Lowe here, our studio coordinator, Esme Murphy with you. this is a really interesting topic. Obviously, we all love our pets and our animals. And some people, you know, become so um, you know, passionate about uh, our furry friends that they end up making a living, whether it's becoming a veterinarian or else sort of going into some business that caters to our love for pets. Well, that is certainly the case for our next guest. He has a little mini hotel chain going uh, his name is John, John Sturgis, and he's the founder of a doggo pet hotel. John, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, tell us about your business because you have been expanding. You've just opened a, a new hotel out at the airport. Yes, we did. We, we just opened our fourth hotel locally here uh, at MSP Airport. Um, Adago Pet Hotels, uh, we offer grooming, daycare, and boarding. We're in uh, Minnetonka at, at Highway 62 and uh, 494. We're at, across from Ridgedale Mall, and we're also in Maple Grove um, right at 94 uh, across the shop, from the shops at Arbor Lakes. And then our last one we just opened within the last month is the airport, and we're very excited about it. But we offer daycare, boarding, and grooming services. All right. And, and is it just for dogs? 
Just for dogs. Yes. Okay. How did you get into this business? I was in the, my entire career. I was in what I now call the human hotel business. <laughs> Yeah, what brought me to Minneapolis was I, I worked for Carlson Companies, um, heading up hotel development for the Americas, and um, really, as made, this is my love of uh, dogs and my love of the hotel business that I combined, um, and, and it's just been it's been an excellent ride the last six years, uh, and we're very excited to open the airport. Well, and, and obviously, you know, the whole, I mean, certainly Carlson Companies and Kirk Carlson, I mean, they are you know, amongst the, the premier hotel-owning families in, in the country. I mean, they're just known for their excellence. One thing that, I, you know, I never knew, and I had a friend in college who actually went off to, like, hotel school uh, to study it because it is such a specialized business, and, and you got to get it right, and, and you've got to deliver and, and really, you know, provide everything you can for your customer. And so it is a very specialized field. So you're working for Carlson Companies, which again is, is such a fabulous company, great company to work with. But did you just think, well, maybe I could do this pet thing on the side? Or did you suddenly just jump into it fully? No. Um, you know, long story short, uh, I was traveling all the time. And, and um, there were times that uh, we had two golden retrievers and my wife and I would travel together sometimes or she would meet me out at a location that I was traveling to and we would put our dogs up and we had we had fine experiences but being a hotelier as I was for my whole career that I looked at the model and I thought wow coming from the hotel business this would be I'd love to do this and and quite frankly I just thought that wow with my experience I thought we could even offer a better experience you know in the hotel business uh, it's about having great locations. It's about having a, a wonderful facilities and then offering great service. And that's our goal at Adago. That's the goal that I had. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a soft thing, meaning it wasn't just saying, hey, I'm going to do this on the side. Um, when I was at grad school at the University of Minnesota at the Carlson School, ironically the Carlson School, <laughs> um, getting my MBA, I, I did a lot of modeling of the of the hotel business, the pet hotel industry, did a lot of research on the industry. Um, and, you know, considering that more than a third of all U.S. families own a dog, I thought, wow, you know, and then there was a lot of there was a lot more detailed research we did. But at the end of the day, besides family as a mate, the dog, the dogs, I mean, dogs and the hotel business, that, that's my love. And, all right. And well, that's really the combination. Well, and obviously you've been very successful and, and, and it's interesting, you know, and obviously the Carlson School of Management, just a fabulous, fabulous school known for innovation. That That's so interesting that you, you made that transition. When you said, you know, you thought, well, gee, I can kind of do this better. What What was it that you saw initially that you thought, you know, I, I want to try and do this a little differently. And, and can you share some of those things uh, that, that you that Adago features and that has helped, you know, fuel your success? Well, a couple of things. First of all, you know, um, what I noticed, you know, 10 years ago were, you know, um, most of the uh, offerings for people that would take care of your dog were either out in the, out in the country, so it was a long drive, or um, they were – in, they weren't in the best locations, and learning from the hotel business, you know, you know, and, and even real estate, it's location, location, location. So that was the first thing I thought. Wow, you know, I want to have these located in wonderful locations, central locations. I want to have great facilities, as you want to, obviously, in the regular ho- the human hotel business. And then I wanted to offer great service. So I think those were those things. Now there there are other certain touch points as a may, such as. 
our locations all have centralized cleaning systems. So we go through and we clean uh, the facility down every night, the areas that are being used. Um, and and every one of my locations has a centralized cleaning system. We, uh, for example, have webcams where you can watch your dog in daycare. We have water fountains. And I know people love that because I got some friends yeah. who I, I could I see them you know sneaking a peek. But that's a great you know, and it's obviously something that's is popular and you know for infant daycare as well. But I mean, that, I think people just love that. Absolutely, and and you know one of the things we differentiate ourselves with is most of our locations have water fountains outside. So the uh, there are places that have pools, and pools are great, um, but. The water fountains, for example, our little dog area outside has more of a mister where the little dogs, you know, it's more of a mist hitting them and, and they, they're refreshed. And the bigger dog area has more of kind of a water fountain feel. And, and there are many other things. You know, we, we custom made, we went and worked with a group that does uh, stables and uh, dog rooms. And we custom made our dog rooms. For example, we have a document holder. So when your dog checks in, we get all the pertinent information, the feeding information. If your dog needs medicine, we put it on this holder, and every single room has that. So think of it. In a so, and, and are the dogs all in their own rooms? They are all in their own rooms. And I'm a strong believer in dogs being in their own rooms. Um, they, they want to feel secure. They want to feel, you know, comfortable um, in their own rooms. And so every single dog has its own room. Wow, and, and the room has, I suppose, a little bed in it. And um, typically, what we do, some of our rooms do have some caranda beds in them. But typically, what we do is the customer will bring their own food. The customer will feed the dog, but they bring the food because you don't want to switch around food for a dog. Um, right. Uh, you want them the same food. They'll bring blankets. They'll bring bedding. They'll bring toys and things like that. And that's that's another way to keep the you know the the dogs comfortable and such and. Most people like to bring their own type of bedding because it, it, it already has the dog smell in it, and once sure. again, it's a comfort level. That's really that's really cool. Now, now I, I want to come and see like a doggo or whatever, and, and I guess you, you invite people to come and take a tour of the hotels. Absolutely. Too. Most yeah. of our hotels, we normally ask people to come any day they want from 12 to 3 because, because the airport location is new. You could come anytime between, um, anytime between 9 a.m. until about 5 p.m. daily. Um, that's, you know, seven days a week. Uh, but our typical tours are 12 to three. The reason we do tours at a certain time simply is because we want the entire staff to know that we may be doing tours. And so we minimize the movement of dogs because we have dogs moving from grooming to outside areas, inside to their rooms and so on. And how many, how many dogs can one of your hotels host at one time? Well, I mean, it, it fluctuates primarily based on the, the hotels aren't all the same size, um, so it does fluctuate. But but our uh, three of our four hotels are larger. Um, I kind of compare that like a Marriott to a Marriott courtyard, if you if you could understand the difference. Yes. Um, so it does fluctuate. Our uh, our largest uh, hotel can hold up to two hundred dogs, and our smallest hotel wow. can hold up to sixty five. Okay, so I got to ask you. I I I've suddenly got to go out of town for the weekend, and I and I, you know, my dog. I. I have no place to bring my dog. How much is it going to cost me to stay at a doggo? Well, once again, the rates do fluctuate. Um, we have, and, and I've set this up similar to the hotel business, but our rates will start um, as low as 37 and can go as high as $77, depending on which hotel you're at. Um, at the MSP airport location, we have three different types, and it's really just different sized rooms. And the rates start at 37 we have $47, and we have 57 okay. But we also have certain discounts. You know, if, if you're part of a certain group, uh, work at a certain place, 
we do offer certain discounts, very similar to what you would see in the human hotel business, and that's how we structured it. But one thing I want to be clear about are rates. When you come and stay at a doggo in boarding, you all, your dog also gets daycare for most of the day. Not the entire day, but typically from about 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. daily. That is part of the rate, where other places will charge you a boarding rate and then charge you additional rate for daycare. Our, your dog will be in a daycare room playing with other dogs of similar size and temperament. Um, so I think that's important that our customers understand that it isn't just your dog's not just hanging out in its room by itself. It's out in daycare with dogs of similar size and temperament. Okay. And you must have to have a, a lot of staff because, uh, you know, to, to manage it. So you've got, and you've got the dogs. I mean, that makes sense to have like the smaller dogs together, and the larger dogs together. I, you know, do you have obviously people playing with the dogs? Absolutely. They're, when the dogs are in daycare, they're always supervised in daycare. So um, we, we don't put dogs out by themselves. They're, they're, they're always supervised with a dog care uh, person. The way we have it structured is the areas of dog care, and which are the boarding and the grooming and the daycare, will either have groomers or dog care people with them. Then we also have front office people that are dealing with the, the owners of the dogs and the customers, and they're out at the front desk taking reservations and, and such. So, so yes, we are always supervising the dogs when they're in daycare. All right, and um, and is anybody else kind of doing it this way across the nation? I mean, I, I, you know, I know of sort of boarding places, I know of the doggy daycares, but is anybody kind of, or are you just sort of out there by yourself? I, I would not say I'm by myself by any means. I, I different places do it differently, and and once again, I don't mean to keep going back to the human hotel business, but in a similar way. Some hotels do it one way, some hotels do it the other. What we do is we focus on the three main services of boarding, daycare, and grooming. We make sure that um, we have, we bring people on to take care of the dogs that love dogs but also love working with people. We have certain th- things in place. For example, everybody has a radio on, kind of like what you would see at a Best Buy where they have the radio with the walkie-talkies. Everyone that's working has a walkie-talkie on so we can communicate, both for safety reasons and just for pure communication. Similar to the hotel business, for example, when your dog checks in at an Adago, the person, the front desk person checking your dog in will then radio for what I call a runner. In the hotel business, we call them bellmen. <laughs> and they would call, and that runner would come out and secure your dog, get your dog. You get to pet your dog goodbye, and then we would take your dog to the back. And once your dog gets beyond the front desk, then it's all about the dogs in the back. Like I said, either daycare, grooming, or boarding in the back there. Okay. And I think you've sort of gotten into where I, I was going to ask you about is just obviously you've got dogs who are in not their home environment. They're around dogs that they haven't been around. I mean, you have to run into situations where you've got dogs going after each other at some point. I mean, it's just bound to happen. Well, one of the things you mentioned, Esme, was that you said, well, John, if, if, if I'm heading out on a trip and I want to get to take care of my dog – or have someone take care of my dog. There is planning that goes into place here. And so this, this, I'm glad you brought this up. This is very important. Number one, all dogs that come to us have to first go through a temperament evaluation. We, we conduct a four-hour temperament eval where we bring your dog into daycare, we watch your dog, we then take your dog through the process of taking your dog to a room, and, and just so the dog gets a feel of what a dog is about. Um, and I would say, you know, there's a small percentage of dogs that don't pass. We are a social environment, and what I mean by that is even so, though— So in other words, before a dog can stay overnight, you, you have to evaluate them. 
Correct. Oh, okay. And, and wow. We okay. Take that very seriously. But the other thing too is all dogs have to have certain vaccinations, such as Bordetella, temper, and rabies, and 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 certain other things that we rec- that not recommend, but that we have to have, such as a fecal exam with negative results. So we're very strict about that. So there is planning that goes on. Um, you can't just bring your dog and drop your dog off without that planning. And that's for the safety and the health of all the dogs. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Listen, um, very impressive idea that, that you sort of, this falls into the category of like, uh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And obviously it's a lot of work and you had to bring a lot of experience into it. But uh, John Sturgis, the founder of a doggo pet hotel chain, uh, and that's A-D-O-G-O with now four locations in the Twin Cities. Thank you so much. Really interesting stuff. Uh, continued good luck with your business, sir. I really appreciate your time. And please come out and see a doggo at the airport. We'd love to see everybody come out to see our airport location. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah. Why, why didn't I think of that? That's such a cool idea. Um, all right, folks. Um, you are listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. We're a little overdue for a break here. Uh, still ahead in our next hour, we've got David Schultz to talk about all things politics. So, again, you're listening to News Radio 830. Is May Murphy with you until 9 o'clock? Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, we, of course, will have the latest from CBS News and also local news from our Sloan Martin in the WCCO newsroom. And then coming up in our next hour, a visit with the one and only David Schultz. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 